Chapter Two of Organic Evolution. This is a LibriVox recording, and all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Don Evans. Organic Evolution by Richard Swan Law. Chapter Two The Organic Kingdom the physical basis of life, the contrast between living and lifeless matter. The material universe is composed of a number of substances known to the chemists as elements, which rarely exist in a free, uncombined state, but usually in more or less intricate combinations, each element with one or more others. The same elemental substances make up the minerals and rocks, the water and atmosphere, on the one hand, and the bodily substance of all animals and plants on the other, the only difference being in the unique character and peculiar complexity of the chemical compounds we call organic, and not in the primal substances of which they are composed. The contrast between matter and the living and lifeless states is largely due to the presence in the former of a peculiar chemical compound known as a protein or albuminous substance a highly complex union of many atoms of such common elements as carbon hydrogen oxygen nitrogen sulphur and several others combined with the proteins are other organic compounds which together with some water and certain salts make up the highly organized substance protoplasm of which all living things are composed therefore in its last analysis the contrast between the mineral kingdom on the one hand and the organic kingdom on the other depends not upon the power of movement nor of producing heat or light nor of growth nor of containing certain elements to the exclusion of the others but merely upon the presence of protoplasm with its component protein huxley has called this protoplasm out of which all living beings are made the quote, physical basis of life unquote, because it constitutes the tangible substance which forms in itself or as a result of its activity the entire structure of any plant or animal it is therefore the fundamental building material of the organism protoplasm may be studied from three points of view its chemical makeup its physical characteristics and the peculiar physiological or functional attributes which it possesses and the sum of which constitutes that phenomenon we call life all of the qualities manifested by an animal or plant however high its degree of organization are only the qualities or their combination exhibited by protoplasm itself there is no biologic proof of the presence of any vital spark or other life manifestation in addition to these characteristics of the physical basis of life chemical characteristics of protoplasm chemists have resolved protoplasm into some sixteen different elements these are carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, sulfur, phosphorus, chlorine, fluorine, silicon, sodium, potassium, lithium, calcium, magnesium, iron, and manganese. Occasionally, possibly abnormally, 
copper and lead have been found in protoplasm the former however exists regularly in the blood of certain lower animals of these elements only the first four are in relatively large quantities the others while apparently vitally important are proportionally very minute in amount protoplasm has been subjected to repeated chemical analysis but the question arises whether anyone has succeeded even in approximating the actual combination of the elements in the living material for the most refined methods break down the high complexity of the protoplasm itself leaving us simply the debris for actual examination a very fair estimate of the amount and proportions of the elements may be learned by studying that which enters into the organism in the form of food and the waste resulting from its vital activities the chemical compounds which compose protoplasm are conveniently grouped as organic and inorganic the organic ones are first the albuminous substances or proteins already referred to containing carbon hydrogen oxygen nitrogen and sulfur united into molecules of high complexity the number of individual atoms being numbered by the hundreds protein has various forms such as albumin globulin fibrin plastin and nuclein some of these however may be secondary products not resident as such in the actual living protoplasm briefly the proteins are the nitrogen containing compounds an organism also contains two other groups of non-nitrogenous organic compounds known respectively as the carbohydrates or starches and sugars and the hydrocarbons or fats and oils the former are composed of carbon hydrogen and oxygen the ratio of two atoms of hydrogen to one of oxygen as in a molecule of water being always maintained the carbon atoms are always either six or some multiple of six in number the hydrocarbons as the name implies contain mainly hydrogen and carbon and if oxygen be present it is in relatively small proportion these non-nitrogenous organic compounds have for their chief function the liberation of energy whereas the proteins are the chief building material of the body but may under certain circumstances be energy liberating also associated with the proteins in the protoplasm are various salts such as potassium sodium and calcium phosphate potassium and sodium chloride magnesium sulfate and certain other similar substances of doubtful significance in addition to these protoplasm contains a varying proportion of water known as the water of organization which aids its fluidity physical properties of protoplasm no matter what its source may be whether plant or animal protoplasm is a singularly uniform substance in general appearance it may be described as grayish viscid semi-transparent and semi-fluid the grayish color is due to the presence of numerous granules in its substance where these are lacking it is hyaline or colorless and transparent the granules may be in part secondary products in the protoplasm derived from the constant chemical changes which it is undergoing and which will shortly be described 
in addition to the granules the protoplasm may contain vacuoles or spaces filled with a fluid possibly containing food in process of digestion possibly waste matters about to be discharged among the protoplasmic granules is a group differing from the first these when the protoplasm has been subject to a certain staining process absorb the stain to a greater degree than the surrounding protoplasm on account of their greater affinity for coloring matters the substance of these granules has been called chromatin and this when concentrated into one or more bodies forms the nucleus of the mass the remaining protoplasm when organized into the anatomical unit of structure known as a cell is called the cytoplasm of these two protoplasmic substances the nucleus and cytoplasm the former seems to be of more vital moment to the cell for the cytoplasm alone separated from the nucleus is unable to continue its existence the nucleus regulates the vital processes of the cell has impressed upon it the specific characters of the organism and thus serves as the vehicle of inheritance hence in the present state of our knowledge the peculiar chromatin granules must be regarded as an integral part perhaps even the most essentially and primarily important portion of the living substance the most powerful microscope fails to resolve protoplasm into its ultimate parts biologists therefore do not agree when the minute structure is discussed some supposing it to consist of tiny granules embedded in a common matrix that's a granular theory others regarding it as consisting of a tangle of delicate threads known as fibrillae that's a phylar theory and containing the more fluid portions much as a sponge does water such a conception as the latter however is at variance with the known fluidity of the protoplasm as a whole for while a sponge may contract and change its shape it cannot flow on the other hand to suppose the fibers to be fluid is also open to objection since one fluid cannot form a network supporting another all of this simply emphasizes the subtle character of this wonderful life substance so complex chemically that it is apparently unanalyzable and of so minute a structure as to be ultra-microscopic. And with special lighting devices, microscopes have been made to resolve entities as small as one millionth of an inch. Physiological Properties of Protoplasm The physiological or functional properties of protoplasm are several, most of which are peculiar to it alone these properties are best understood when one realizes that protoplasm is always in both animals and plants in the form of a cell a single one of which may constitute the entire organism protozoa protophyta or the latter may be composed of many cells varying in form and function the physiological properties of protoplasm are therefore with some exceptions those of the entire cell of these the most conspicuous perhaps is the power of movement in the plant cell which generally has a rigid limiting wall this is usually merely a streaming of the contained protoplasm the animal cell on the 
contrary is rarely thus limited so that the cell as a whole may change its shape indefinitely as in the amoeboid movements manifested by certain of the lowest forms or by the white blood corpuscles in a man or it may merely shorten in one dimension as in one of the component cells of a human muscle another property is that of sensation or sensitivity the power to feel which is manifested by movement proving that the cell possesses irritability while the resultant movement may be disproportionate to the stimulus they generally bear a certain ratio to each other and up to a given point an increased stimulus will cause a correspondingly greater movement two other closely correlated characteristics are first conductivity by which stimuli are transmitted throughout the mass of the protoplasm touching one part of the cell may give rise to movement in a remote area this conductivity is thus the means of communication between one portion and another the second of these characteristics is coordination which gives rise to purposeful movements such as the harmonious motion of the cilia or locomotor organs of a protozoan coordination would be impossible without conductivity and these two together with irritability constitute the animal functions in contrast to the vegetal ones which will be next described vegetal functions of protoplasm of the vegetal functions the first vital phenomenon is metabolism divided into two aspects of which one is constructive metabolism or anabolism that's greek to throw up the power on the part of the cell to utilize or assimilate food briefly to make it over into protoplasm similar to its own the other is destructive metabolism or catabolism greek there to throw down the disassimilation or breaking down of protoplasm into simpler compounds this is always accompanied by the liberation of energy which may take the form of the mechanical motion already referred to or of heat light or electricity if the anabolism which represents the cell's income exceeds the catabolism or expenditure the result is growth if the reverse be true diminution of size follows growth is accomplished not as a mineral crystal grows by the addition of material to its outer surface or apposition but by a much more intimate process known as intussusception that is latin to take up within whereby the nutrient material is disseminated all through the substance of the cell with a small cell growth occurs up to an optimum of size for the organism when under ordinary conditions it ceases to increase in size but may increase in numbers usually by the simple process of dividing into two a partial explanation of this is that the organism's ability to get food depends upon its surficial area which increases with the square of its diameter whereas its need of food depends upon its bulk which increases with the cube hence while in the minute cell the surface will suffice for its needs as the cell grows it wants outrun its absorptive ability until an equilibrium is reached 
beyond which increase in bulk can only be gained by a large increase in surface which is most readily accomplished in a simple geometrical form by dividing it into two this division constitutes therefore a sort of discontinuous growth and forms one of the most essential of all protoplasmic attributes the power of reproduction while the entity of the parent cell is thus lost its life and its substance still exist in its offspring hence it cannot be said to have died and the offspring will in turn pass on their life and substance to their offspring and so on as long as the line endures in many lower forms of life this potential immortality which is a further characteristic of protoplasm is true of the entire organism in higher forms where a certain group of cells only is set apart for reproduction they alone possess this attribute the remaining tissues of the body dying when the individual span of life is complete this protoplasm unanalyzable ultra microscopic endowed with all of the qualities of the highest animal or plant metabolism movement irritability adaptability growth reproduction and such immortality as has sufficed to continue unbroken the slender chain of existence from the beginning of life on earth and will so long as life endures is one of the greatest wonders of the world simple life processes as illustrated by paramecium many of the life processes of protoplasm have been summarized in the foregoing sentence but a clearer conception of them may be gained by a concrete example such for instance as the protozoan paramecium the so-called slipper animalcule this organism is chosen as it is relatively large and easily procured from stagnant pond water and like places professor woodruff through having bred more than five thousand generations in the yale laboratory has made it virtually a domestic animal structure paramecia are minute unicellular forms just on the verge of invisibility for when a drop of water containing them is held up to the light they can be seen with the naked eye as tiny white motes moving in every direction under a microscope paramecium is seen to be an elongated body tapering toward either end with the forward extremity somewhat rounded on one side there is a pronounced depression the oral groove at the depth of which is a short tubular gullet leading into the substance of the cell externally the animal is uniformly clothed with hair-like structures known as cilia which by bending swiftly in one direction followed by a slow recovery cause it to progress cilia also line the mouth depression and the gullet here their function is not locomotor but prehensile that is to aid in securing food within paramecium shows several important structures embedded in the granular protoplasmic mass of these the most conspicuous are the food vacuoles spherical spaces containing water food particles and certain digestive ferments these food vacuoles are temporary stomachs having their origin at the end of the gullet where they are formed merely by forcing a drop of water with its contained food particles into the protoplasm 
other structures are the contractile or pulsating vacuoles one at either end of the body with a central cavity and radiating spaces extending into the surrounding protoplasm the radial canals absorb moisture and waste products from the cell until they are distended and then discharge them into the central vacuole the latter dilating as the radial spaces diminish when the central cavity is full it forcibly contracts voiding its contents through the ruptured cell surface into the surrounding medium the two pulsating vacuoles contract rhythmically and alternately within the mass of the cell at about its center lies the essential nucleus a compound structure composed of chromatin and consisting of a greater mega nucleus and a lesser micronucleus the latter is however the more important in reproduction while the former has to do with metabolism locomotion the physiological processes seen in paramecium are essentially like those of the highest forms and may be conveniently grouped under two headings the animal functions of locomotion and response to stimuli and the vegetal functions of nutrition growth and reproduction locomotion is affected by movements of the cilia which bend sharply toward the rear of the animal and thus sweep the creature forward then they relax and the relative slowness of this movement offers comparatively little resistance to the water and hence does not appreciably check the creature's way paramecium swims rapidly forward rotating slightly on its long axis as it goes and seems to make purposeful movements a careful study of its behavior however makes it evident that its movements are governed by certain fixed rules so that they may be predicted in advance with more or less certainty if in its onward course paramecium strikes any obstacle the cilia reverse their action and the animal moves backward a certain distance it then reverses once more changes its direction somewhat toward the ventral side or that which bears the mouth goes ahead again and may clear or once more strike the obstacle according to chance but its movements are not all in one plane of space because of the rotation upon its axis which causes the ventral side to face in any direction at the beginning of its forward motion to the right or left or up or down as the case may be and thus increases several fold the chances of avoiding the object nutrition has for its objects the increase of bodily substance or growth and the replacement of that which is consumed in the production of energy it is not a simple process even in paramecium for it consists of a number of distinct steps of which the first is ingestion the securing of food this is accomplished by means of the cilia lining the mouth depression and gullet which sweep in any nutrient material such as the bacteria or other organic particles in the surrounding water these are forced into the protoplasm at the bottom of the gullet which giving way before their entrance forms a food vacuole into this there comes the digestive fluid whereby the nutrient material is extracted from the food constituting the step known as digestion the nutrient material is then absorbed from the vacuole into the adjacent protoplasm and is assimilated anabolism in the manner above described 
during the process of digestion and absorption the food vacuole has been carried in the streaming protoplasm first toward the posterior end of the body then forward along the dorsal side to the anterior end then backward past the mouth until it reaches an egestive area not an actual aperture but a region where the integument is easily ruptured and here the food vacuole breaks forth into the surrounding medium carrying the residue of contained water and the indigestible food refuse this process is known as egestion and the movement of the vacuole throughout the body for the distribution of the food corresponds to circulation in a higher form catabolism or disassimilation is continually in operation to produce all of the mechanical changes or movements which the organism undergoes this energy is produced through an oxidizing or physiological burning of the protoplasm the oxygen being derived from that dissolved in the surrounding water by the process of respiration no special respiratory organ is present the whole surface of the animal serves instead this oxidizing of the protoplasm breaks it down into a number of simpler compounds the reduction being accompanied by the liberation of energy but there remains the effete material to be eliminated and this is done by the process of excretion the excretory products constitute the bodily waste in contradistinction to the food refuse which has never been properly a part of the animal's substance they usually take three forms carbonic acid gas that is co2 or carbon dioxide which is eliminated through the surface of the body and by contractile vacuoles water excreted by the contractile vacuoles and nitrogenous wastes which are eliminated by the same mechanism in solution in the water reproduction in paramecium is effected in the simplest possible manner by the transverse division of the cell each half developing the parts which are lacking and reorganizing into a perfect animal previous to the division of the cell however the micronucleus has divided by a very complex process known as mitosis that's greek for thread whereby the halving of the chromatin is done with the utmost nicety so that not only does each daughter cell get its full quota of nucleon but each tiny portion is equally divided between them thus generation after generation of paramecium is produced each undergoing its life cycle of youth maturity and reproduction conjugation occasionally however reproduction is preceded by a process known as conjugation this is effected by the coming together of two individuals which form a temporary union by their ventral sides but without actual fusion of substance in paramecium caudatum the meganucleus then breaks up into small bodies and disappears the micronucleus on the other hand divides into two daughter micronuclei each of which divides again two of these disappear and the remaining ones are known respectively as the stationary and active pronuclei each active pronucleus then migrates over into the other paramecium where it unites with the latter stationary pronucleus to form a new 
nuclear body which consists of equal portions of nucleon from each conjugating cell the animals then separate and each nucleus divides and forms new micro and mega nuclei the chief purpose of this conjugation would seem to be by parental inheritance to increase the range of variation and hence adaptability by combining in the offspring the characteristics and experiences of two more or less remote ancestral lines other explanations have been offered which may or may not be true but the almost universal occurrence of conjugation points at any rate to the fact that it fulfills some very vital function in organic economy food supply of organisms the question naturally arises as to the source of the highly complex compounds which form the bulk of protoplasm for clearly they do not exist as such in the mineral kingdom nor can an animal manufacture them plants therefore must be the constructive chemists of nature although they cannot utilize inorganic matter in its elemental condition having given however water carbonic acid gas and certain nitrogenous compounds comparable to ammonia the green or chlorophyll bearing plant in the presence of sunlight the ultimate source of all organic energy can construct the proteins sugars fats in fact all the complex food materials necessary for the sustenance of the animal the animal itself on the other hand is limited in its constructive power and is mainly destructive its only source for the highly necessary nitrogen is the proteins which it must have ready-made or starve all it can do is to modify the form of the material somewhat and transmute plant protoplasm into animal huxley in his address on the physical basis of life delivered in eighteen sixty eight summarizes the interrelation of animal and plant protoplasm emphasizing first of all the oneness of the physical basis of life think he says quote, of the microscopic fungus a mere infinitesimal ovoid particle which finds space and duration enough to multiply into countless millions in the body of a living fly and then of the wealth of foliage the luxuriance of flower and fruit which lies between this bald sketch of a plant and the giant pine of california towering to the dimensions of a cathedral spire or the indian fig which covers acres with its profound shadow and endures while nations and empires come and go around its vast circumference or turning to the other half of the world of life picture to yourselves the great finner whale hugest of beasts that live or have lived disporting his eighty or ninety feet of bone muscle and blubber with easy roll among waves in which the stoutest ship that ever left dockyard would flounder hopelessly hardly true in these days of giant liners and contrast him with the invisible animalcules mere gelatinous specks multitudes of which could in fact dance upon the point of a needle with the same ease as the angels of the schoolman could in imagination with these images before your minds you may well ask what community of form or structure is there between the animalcule and the whale or between the fungus and the fig tree and a fortiori between all four Unquote. 
huxley speaks further of man's power of assimilating the dead protoplasm of any animal or plant and thus transforming it into his own living substance he says quote, hence it appears to be a matter of no great moment what animal or what plant i lay under contribution for protoplasm and the fact speaks volumes for the general identity of that substance in all living beings i share this catholicity of assimilation with other animals all of which so far as we know could thrive equally well on the protoplasm of any of their fellows or of any plant but here the assimilative powers of the animal would cease a solution of smelling salts in water with an infinitesimal proportion of some other saline matters contains all the elementary bodies which enter into the composition of protoplasm but as i need hardly say a hogshead of that fluid would not keep a hungry man from starving nor would it save any animal from a like fate an animal cannot make protoplasm but must take it ready-made from some other animal or some plant the animal's highest feat of constructive chemistry being to convert dead protoplasm into that living matter of life which is appropriate to itself therefore in seeking for the origin of protoplasm we must eventually turn to the vegetable world a fluid containing carbonic acid water and nitrogenous salts which offers such a barmecide feast to the animal is a table richly spread to multitudes of plants and with a due supply of only such materials many a plant will not only maintain itself in vigor but grow and multiply until it has increased a millionfold or a million millionfold the quantity of protoplasm which it originally possessed in this way building up the matter of life to an indefinite extent from the common matter of the universe thus the animal can only raise the complex substance of dead protoplasm to the higher power as one may say of living protoplasm while the plant can raise the less complex substances carbonic acid water and nitrogenous salts to the same stage of living protoplasm if not to the same level but the plant also has its limitations a plant supplied with pure carbon hydrogen oxygen and nitrogen phosphorus sulphur and the like would as infallibly die as the animal in his bath of smelling salts though it would be surrounded by all the constituents of protoplasm unquote. End of chapter two. Recording by Don Evans. www.lazuli.com.